You are listening to School of Talk. We are creating a world where every child experiences the power of a great teacher. We believe education is the answer. It has the power to conduct change, improve lives, unlock ideas, create opportunities, and build connections. It's the single greatest investment we can make today to create a better tomorrow. That's why we're on a mission to train, inform, and inspire educators around the world. Each week, we dive into a topic related to education, teaching, and learning. Whether you're an educator by trade or an educator by spirit, we've got something for you. Open up your mind and get ready to soak in some new learning. Class is in session. This episode features Ace Schwartz. Ace is a sixth and seventh grade science teacher in Pennsylvania. In addition to being an educator, Ace is a passionate advocate of social justice and LGBTQ inclusion. In 2018, Ace came out as non-binary and they worked closely with HR and administrators to develop a transition plan for teachers and students. Due to this advocacy work, they were recognized as the 2019 Educator of the Year by the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network. ACE shares resources on their website, teachingoutsidethebinary.com, to support LGBTQ students and teachers. They joined me on the podcast to educate us on creating LGBTQ inclusive classrooms and work environments. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Ace. I would love to start off with just a little bit of your background, if you could walk us through how you got into teaching. Sure, so my name is Ace, my pronouns are they, them, and theirs, and I've been a teacher for seven years, but I actually wasn't ever supposed to be a teacher. I was supposed to take over my dad's soda business um, and be a business major. And I got the chance to teach Sunday school in high school at my church, uh, and it just completely changed my life. So I taught preschool, for like three-ish years. And I don't know how I got from preschool to majoring in middle school, but somehow that happened. (laughs) (laughs) But that uh, is what got me into teaching. And I went into college as just a straight up English middle school major. And then I was like, you know, I need to be more marketable. So I added science, uh, science concentration. And at Shippensburg, where I went to school, you had to take every intro to science class that they offered to be a middle school science teacher. And that really ignited my love of science. It was something that I was like, okay, everyone needs science teachers, so this will just make it easier to get a job, to being like, I really love teaching science. It's so much more my vibe. And so when I got out of college, even though I had a dual degree, I only have ever taught science, and I absolutely love it. That's amazing. Did you always have like a passion for science or was that just something that you took to, you know, to add some extra qualifications and you fell in love? So I was in honors science classes and I, you know, I I did well in science and I thought it was cool, but it was like, I loved English. I mean, like I am still a really voracious reader today. So I didn't even, you know, ever consider being a science teacher until I saw that you could do two concentrations, which I think is really interesting. And I'm so glad that I made that swap because uh, I think science is more my vibe as a human. Teaching science, it just fits me better, I think. And yeah, I just really enjoy it. Yeah, it's so hands-on. It's so like entertaining and exciting. So it's a really cool subject to teach. I'm glad you found it. 
Thank you. Is there a particular aspect of education that you focus on or that you're really passionate about aside from what you teach as subject matter? Sure. So I'm really passionate about social justice in in subjects like science. So a lot of folks think that social justice is more naturally fit for English or social studies, but it can fit all subjects. And so I'm really passionate about bringing social justice um, and also LGBTQ plus inclusion into all aspects of school. I love that. That kind of leads a great segue into LGBTQ plus inclusive classrooms that I wanted to ask you about today. So could you define for our audience what is LGBTQ plus inclusive education kind of in your own words and what's the intended goal or purpose of it? Sure. So LGBTQ plus inclusion is not difficult. Uh, It's not this huge like thing we have to plan for. It's not something that requires uh, a ton of time and energy on the most basic level, but it's basically just making sure that all students feel safe and respected in their identities and also represented in the school curriculum. And it's, yeah, yeah, especially, I, I believe at all levels, of course, but I think middle school is really, those are kind of some key years right there where students can feel maybe isolated or um, different or like they, they really need someone to advocate for them. I think at that age, it's, it's a hard age. It is. School, it so. really is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, what advice would you give to a new teacher or a teacher who's making LGBTQ plus inclusive education a focus this year? Sure. I think my first piece of advice is to pick like two to three goals and work on them all year. So it doesn't have to be everything all at once, as much as we would love that to be the case. Sometimes we just need to pick a few things and just build it out each year. So, you know, starting with working on having inclusive language, uh, whenever you're talking to students, about students, or in your forms that you send home, whether it's, you know, adding one LGBTQ plus book Uh, to the curriculum or to your read-alouds, you know, focusing on an LGBTQ plus scientist or historian, that kind of stuff uh, is really simple and doesn't take a lot of time typically. And, you know, when you when you have those basics down, you can really start looking more systemically. Okay, so what are the school policies? What are classroom policies? What are things that we can, you know, tackle outside of just my individual classroom? Because you want to feel comfortable doing it in your own classroom first before you start to try and make waves, so to speak, through the rest of the school. You know what? I love that. That's really practical advice. And I really like that you kind of bucketed those initiatives as like starting with your own classroom and then you can actually broaden those efforts outside. So can I just circle back when you mentioned um, an LGBTQ plus scientist or something. So is that one way that you would incorporate um, inclusivity into your content, your lesson plans? Yeah, definitely. So yes, that's something I do every year in science and just even talking about diverse scientists in general is something that I work on every year. And so, you know, that's one way that I do it. And then I just kind of like have picked a unit each year. So for example, genetics was a really big focus this year. And I'm like, okay, how can I make genetics more LGBTQ plus inclusive? And so it was looking at vocabulary, talking about social constructs of gender versus sex, talking about intersex, making sure that that's represented. And so it's kind of like, uh, there's a lot of ways that you can do it. And that's just kind of how I approach it. 
Very cool. And of course, yeah, depending on the subject matter you teach, it might look different, but that's a really cool practical example of what you can do. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned um, language. How can we be more inclusive in our language? I love this question. So the most common phrases that I heard going through college and student teaching and the first few years uh, were boys and girls and you guys. Both of those things are very commonly used in classrooms. And I understand why. It's, it's what we've grown up with, right? And the problem with those two phrases is they uphold something called the gender binary. So in the U.S. society, gender binary is seen as having just two pieces, male on one side, female on the other side. But we know gender is expansive and there's so much more than just male and female. So by grouping students as boys and girls, you're boxing kids who might not fit into those boxes. By using you guys, even though it's kind of touted as this more neutral phrase, guys is still inherently masculine, which again reinforces the gender binary. So replacing those phrases with things like everyone, y'all, learners, I say epic humans just because that fits my personality. <laughs> you can, you know, depending on what subject you teach, you could call the, your students readers or mathematicians. You could use the name of your school's mascot to refer to your students. There's so many other options that don't involve gender at all. I love that. I love all the examples you gave too. I always um, used peeps <laughs> when I talked to mm -hmm. my, my students. Um, very good. The other one I hear a lot is uh, bring this home to your moms and dads. I trained myself to say, you know, bring this to your adults at home, something like that. So mm -hmm. very good. Do you have an example of the impact some of these changes have had on students from your perspective? Oh, sure. So I, you know, it, it's really interesting. So this is my second year at my current school. And so last year was my first year, um, truly fully like out and open, um, you know, it didn't require like coming out to staff and students uh, like it was at my old school. So I've been out for three years, but really just the last two have felt the most um, comfortable. And I noticed from last year to this year, we had a huge uptick in students who started using uh, multiple pronouns or trying out different names. I've had a lot of students come out to me in the last two years, which is just such a beautiful gift to receive. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, it absolutely does make a difference. And there's students who might not be out yet and might come out in the future who, you know, can think about the things in middle school, the inclusion that their teachers made in middle school. But um, I've definitely seen some immediate impacts and I'm really hopeful that there will be future impacts too. I'm confident that there will be and congratulations on coming out as well as um, the amazing impact you've obviously had on the school community around you. That's really awesome. Something that like really impacted me was I had a, a couple of students that they had never met um, a person who uses like they them pronouns and I had a queer student tell me they never like they never see queer adults or like queer teachers. And that just like hit me really hard. Like the fact that visibility just matters so much, like you said, uh, I think, you know, that's something we can't take for granted. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. Are you interested in becoming a fully certified teacher? Well, Classroom is here to help support you through your teaching career. 
Classroom's nationally accredited, state-approved teacher certification program is certifying, developing, and placing amazing teachers just like you at the head of classrooms around the country. The best part is that the certification can be done 100% online so you can study on your own schedule. And the program offers the flexibility to work while you earn your teaching license, so there's no time away from an income. With Classroom's teacher certification program, you can become a fully licensed teacher in as few as nine months. So throw away everything you thought you knew about getting your teaching license and head over to go.classroom.com podcast to download a free brochure and learn more about the program. That's go.classroom.com podcast to grab your free brochure today. Go.classroom.com podcast. Amazing educators start with classroom. How can teachers ask their students or coworkers for their pronouns without overstepping? Sure. So there's a couple of ways that you can do it. Um, the one phrase that I learned from a really epic coworker of mine, Joey, she refers to it as inviting people to share their pronouns. So I always introduce myself with my pronouns whenever I meet somebody new. And so usually it'll go like, hi, my name's Ace. My pronouns are they, them, and theirs. You know, do you mind sharing your name and pronouns? And so that's like a really natural way to do it. And that's with adults. Um, With students, I tend to approach it in a different way. But whenever it comes to adults, I offer mine first and then invite them to share back with me. Um, If I have a name tag on, my pronouns are like right on there. So, um, and I also have a pronoun pin as well uh, that I wear. So there's lots of ways that I kind of signal, uh, but the more direct approach is just, you know, asking. In your experience, what are some ways schools are getting it right, being inclusive, and what are some ways that we're missing the mark? I think a lot of the really easy stuff is starting to trickle its way down. So like the inclusive language part, I know there are a lot of, uh, if not whole schools, a lot of teachers who are asking kids for their pronouns using like get to know you sheets or something like that. (laughs) So I think like individually, there is a lot of good happening. I think we're still missing the mark systemically. So curriculum, uh, where, you know, I think Uh, schools are afraid of caregiver pushback so they're not willing to make these big sweeping changes or even just declarations like hey we care about our lgbtq plus students uh you know there are i've noticed that there are a lot of announcements from schools whenever there is uh you know different acts of violence against groups that are traditionally marginalized but when it comes to like the anti-trans legislation the anti-lgbtq legislation they're very silent Mm. and so there's definitely and we have to remember that intersectionality exists we have students that exist in many identities and so it's important to you know honor and acknowledge that and even just like speak it and i think in some ways schools systemically are just afraid to even bring it up because it's seen as such a divisive thing so uh, i think i i would love to just see more systemic change, more systemic reflection, and then just acknowledgement and 
you know, actual support. Like, it's one thing to say that you're supportive, but then to back it up with actions is a totally different thing. Absolutely. In your perfect vision, what is one thing schools could do to make schools more inclusive? I think one thing that would be really powerful and something that I've heard from a lot of my students is, you know, training teachers to pick out and uh, understand microaggressions against LGBTQ plus students and really stopping any type of queer phobic bullying in its tracks uh, and just like strongly addressing it and taking a stand against it. That stuff often either gets like brushed under the rug or it doesn't get dealt with properly and so students don't feel safe and when they don't feel safe they can't be successful in school so i would just love more competency around that and also just how to address it in the moment and also you know for bigger instances how to address that you know more broadly so when you say like addressing it in the moment can you give a step-by-step of how you might do that sure so let's say a student you know, says, oh, that's so gay, right, in a negative context. And so I'll say, you know, I think what you're trying to say is this is bad or this is negative. And when you say that's so gay, it almost makes me feel like you're saying that gay people are negative. And I don't think that's what you mean. And then we'll kind of dissect that a little bit. And I was like, okay, so what could we have said instead? Or what should we say instead? And so the student is involved in that process. Maybe they did understand what they were saying, and maybe they truly didn't. But either way, you know, I signal to them when I have that conversation with them that I heard what you said, it's not going to fly, and we're going to use other things, uh, because I'm not going to have other students be harmed in this space. I absolutely love that. And I love that you gave the student kind of the benefit of the doubt as like, I know that's not what you meant to say, but we're going to correct it for next time. So it's a very clear and direct um, message, but at the same time, giving them a chance to adjust and learn and be better next time. What resources are available to educators to help them learn more and create more inclusive learning environments? Oh my gosh, there's so many. And I love that because that means that it feels a little less overwhelming when you have all these resources to access. bunch on my website I'll just kind of plug my website out there uh but I have a bunch of articles yeah and resources at teachingoutsidethebinary.com I highly recommend Glisten. Glisten works specifically in school settings and so there are plenty of resources there to you know look at school policy uh different LGBTQ plus lessons and things like that and the Stonewall curriculum has you know so many ideas um and then if folks want to really focus on understanding more about lgbtq plus identities and just getting that being comfortable with that language and vocabulary action canada has a beautiful beautiful graphic called the gender galaxy Uh, and it's basically like a universe with all of the many different gender identities and then definitions for each one and they also have a sexuality galaxy so for folks who feel like their vocabulary is maybe a little bit lacking that's a fantastic resource that's awesome and i will link all of those resources to the show notes um, of this episode so people can find them more easily what about for students who appear vulnerable like the ones that might seem like reclusive or lonely, are there certain ways that we can reach out or support them without drawing unwanted attention their way? Sure. I think the big thing there is building a relationship with that student. Uh, And so that could be as private as just having like a quick two minute conversation every day just to check in. Um, I ask attendance questions 
And so, like, for example, uh, our attendance question last week was, you know, if you could go to any planet, where would you visit? And so I might come back to that answer the student gave later and just kind of try and build something with them. And then I think, you know, you can't force anything um, and you have to kind of let the student come to you in most cases, unless you think that there's something truly wrong and they need more intervention. But I think ultimately you have to put the work in to build that relationship with them and then kind of go from there. Absolutely. Just before we hop off here, is there a message, recommendation, idea, or question you'd like to leave us with today? Sure. I would like to say I think a big misconception and a big reason that LGBTQ plus identities um, being discussed in school, it's seen as like a too old or too mature of a topic is because sometimes kids change their mind. Uh, you know, who they are in sixth grade might not be who they are in eighth grade. And that's a very natural development right with kids and so i think it's really important to remember that it is okay to change your mind it is okay to have new language to describe yourself it doesn't mean that this that anyone was wrong before or that they're right now it just means that who they are has shifted and we need to respect that you know kids go through different phases i very much remember a phase where i wore leggings every day i refused to wear <laughs> jeans you know clothing is an example of a phase that we don't even question but when it comes to like personal identity folks have a lot harder time with that and i think we just need to look at this as an experience that people have uh, an experience that is really personal and no one else can say anything about it except for the person you know that's how and i think if we start to look at it, a lot of those barriers in our brains can kind of come down a bit um and we ultimately you know have to respect it it's the bare minimum that we can do is being respectful and we have to do that absolutely we're allowed to to grow and evolve as we as we age um where can our audience connect with you ace Awesome. So people can connect with me on Instagram at teaching outside the binary. I also have a website binary and I do speaking and consulting. And if folks are willing to support me financially, my friend Sky and I run a Patreon called growing outside the binary, where we provide newsletters, lesson plans, curated resources, etc. So get in touch. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on with me today and for sharing all of your wonderful advice and insight. Thank you for listening to this episode of School of Talk. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you love today's episode, share this out with a friend. Class is dismissed.